Bella D'Angelo show from the love of crude oil that is transplanted to Minnesupid, as I have renamed this state at least until we start to find some common sense and ground and law and order. Anyways, Don, we've got a great show tonight. Are you ready? Uh, yeah, you know, when you told me that Brian Adams was going to be on the on the show, I was so excited because I really want to know the story behind his band in 1969. You know that part? Me and the guys from school had a band. That so I was. I'm hoping to get that from him. <laughs> That's like me saying I want to hear the story again about when Pippi Longstocking booted you out of the bar. Like I want to get for the last time. <laughs> My God, you you in sports? You're, you're like. Okay, so um, yeah, so this guy's going to be great. It's uh, Nick. It's Nick Adams, and he's going to be coming on. He's got a couple of books out. One talks about the parallels between Trump and Churchill. He's got another book retaking. Uh, America. It's going to be an exciting show. And then we're going to talk about if we have time. It all depends on how many segments Nick wants to stick with us. But then I thought we'd start talking about the basement dweller Biden. The basement dweller Biden. He's uh, how do you know he lives in the basement? (laughs) Well, I don't believe he's answered a reporter in about three months. And then, you know, Trump was finally at his rally. I want to talk about the rally that I went to back in 16. So and then the win, the win in November. So we've got a lot to get going. I want to start out a little bit, though, talking locally And, and North Dakota. I want to say this to you guys, because you're hearing so much about Minneapolis, Minnesota stupid we're in the spotlight we're in the hotbed of all of this madness and insanity but north dakota do not feel left out i do want to say if you ask yourselves why does she say transplanted to Stupid? well when i left minneapolis back in 09 and went to the oil field i never fit in here because i'm so direct blunt honest and non-PC, which Don, that as we know, the Minnesota nice is alive and well, which I don't play by those rules and regulations. And I do consider North Dakota my home. So, and one day, hopefully when the oil field picks back up, we'll be talking about some of the days in the oil field. But Don, I got a question for you because I've got this observation, right? So, you know, these wannabe cop cars, and I don't know what year are they like 1980 early 90 they all have the same body style they got the big old flashlight head beam on the side of the car and then there's always these white dudes that to me they look like the soy boys that are the writers for the mainstream media living in their parents basements but that i'm gonna have to have you define soy boy first because that, that has kind of an i don't know it sounds asian in a way what is this? What is a soy boy? <laughs> Just picture Frey. That's all you Frey. have to do. Fry want- Frey, the mayor, the the little twelve year old mayor running around. Our- what does soy sauce have to do with it? <laughs> no, so, like soy milk. You know, like green loving soy drinking soy milk. You know. Oh, soy! Like, so there's got to be a better f- word for that. Soy boy, soy boy. But, yeah, no. <laughs> 
I don't know, but they, they just seem that there's some type of club that they're all in, and I just see them all the time, and I think those must be the intelligent writers that we have in the mainstream media, which, uh, you know, mainstream media certainly has pulled the narrative of, uh, we used to actually have some, there used to be some form of, Don, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, we used to be able to turn on the channel and at least there was a variety of lies and madness that the mainstream media was throwing at us. I don't know, it just seems to be the same narrative day after day after day, which is supporting of this socialist Stalin, this party of love that's going on in Seattle that's kind of fueling this this rage throughout the country and we'll talk about the <laughs> go you ahead. Say like the party of love and rage and Stalin yeah all those things really go together I noticed that two news channels this morning were literally running the exact same ticker an NBC and an ABC affiliate local their tickers on the bottom literally were exactly the same. And I was at the time trying to figure out a way to make masks into bikinis. So I had, I oh, had I've already done that. You want me to send a picture right now? Have you? <laughs> Cause did you, cause I, my design, my design had the loops on my ears. So one on each ear and yeah. then they went down over my chest and I have kind of like, fried egg boobies so they're not really that great but I couldn't get them to hook around the back right so I put on a belt and then I hooked the two ends into the belt so it looked like a string top kind of thing but then I couldn't figure out the bottoms so I was sitting there naked on the couch uh, and I just noticed the tickers were exactly the same well, producer, make note, I can send a picture of my mask bikini. We can put it up on the website. But here's the thing. I want to use this analogy. So, Don, back in the day when I was building the show and building the audience and trying to figure out how to add some variety to the show, I was put in contact with a man that lived in Denmark. Bo was his name. And I was so thrilled to Skype him. And I couldn't wait to hear about the beautiful, peaceful, cultural, um, you know, all of the pictures that I envisioned about beautiful Denmark. And when I got on Skype with him after our brief introductions, I sat and listened to the takeover of Islamification and Sharia law in this neighborhood that he lived in and the ordeal that he went through to keep his wife and little boy safe from the day to day of living in in this Sharia law, basically no go zone or next to it. Well, I give this analogy because what I did after learning all that, which I knew very little about Islamification. I used to say that if you talked about Sharia law, that people might ask you if you were talking about a rock band. And so what I did after that hour and a half conversation with Bo, I offered to do a show once a week for two hours called the Danish Defense League. And so two gentlemen from England and Bo from Denmark joined me on Saturdays. We had some of the funniest absolute I mean you, you'd think that you were listening to three of four of us sitting around the bar having a few and laughing and joking and then getting into politics but where I'm going with this is 
you know, I was just thinking earlier today, I thought, when am I going to get the phone call that says, hey, I want to come visit Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I want to go downtown, and I want to see uptown, and I want to go to all the cultural and the eateries, and even the lakes. I had a woman tell me a story a couple weeks ago, Karen is her name, that she was up north, and, excuse me, she was up north, and Did this you just take mountain- a drink? Did you, did you take a drink of, of scotch? <laughs> what was that? That sounded like uh, you just kind of turned your head. Are you was, smoking marijuana on the show? No, it was no, it did was you, yoga. It, it was my mom. I, I, okay, this is my mom. And when we're since we're talking about mainstream media, and then we're going to bounce back to this Minneapolis. My poor mother, throughout the day today, has gone from willing to open her door and walk outside her apartment to telling me to go home and lock my door and not walk out the door because she's getting reports from MSNBC all about what is it, the resurgent of COVID and the numbers. Spiking um, and the yeah. second wave, and it's just terrifying her. So I, I apologize. I well, just tell her that she's safe because you're a member of the Danish Defense League. <laughs> So I'm sure well, that, that, here's like, what we need to do. We need to have a common sense defense league. Like we need common sense coming back to our city and to our state. And I want to share this with you, Don, because we've been talking about this masking and social distancing and, you know, how is it changing our behavior? So the other day I walk into the gas station and as I'm walking in, I'm already having that kind of belligerent protesting thoughts in my mind. Like I want to continue ripping the masks off people. I want to start hacking and sneezing. And so I get my diet Coke, my, yeah, I get my fountain diet Coke and I go to stand in line and I look down at those stupid little stickers and I just, I moved one foot north of my sticker. The woman in front of me sees that and she moves a foot north of her sticker. Wow. So I just, yeah. And I didn't say anything. I decided I just wasn't going to get into it. So I just took my foot and stepped back on my sticker. So she moves back on her sticker. And then she says to me, is that the only thing you're buying is your Diet Coke? And I said, yes. And she said, I'm going to buy it for you. I'm going to pay it forward, which it struck me as odd as even I'm saying, what do you pay forward? Uh, so I said, great, thanks. Why are you doing that? And she said, we are living in very strange times, are we not? Do you think they're strange? I mean. Well, yeah, I would have said they're really strange. I mean, you and I just basically did the tango on and off our little (laughs) foot circles. If I was you, you know what I want to do? I'm going to go in and I'm just going to peel the little sticker off the floor and I'm just going to move it like three feet closer and then take the next one and move them three feet closer and see if anybody actually even notices. Or another thing you could do, Bella, is just sneak up behind somebody and like blow in their ear in the from the back <laughs> and then ask them out just to you know make sure they know it's legit like and, and you know what the woman that gave the feedback to the show that the producer told us about before we came on she's like jumping up and down like waiting for one of us the feedback was she hopes we both get covid so we obviously ruffled somebody's uh rear end here i think she said this. get covid and die didn't she add the and die part so she's li- he or she is listening and going off all this mask mask ripping 
ripping and social distancing sticker ripping. I mean, uh, I've mentioned it before. I have a basement full of social distancing posters, masks. I'm now going to be ripping those stickers because we've got to move on, people. And that's what we're going to talk about as we get into the show. Has everybody lost sight of the fact that we've got an election in November? No, I, you know what? I think um, there's a lot of things that are still normal. My wife and I were at the park with Daniel and she's wearing kind of her typical mid-afternoon tank top thing. And there was a lesbian couple there with uh, their kid was looked adopted uh, from what I can tell or, you know, put two and two together kind of thing. And we were playing with Michael or Daniel and I looked and my wife was picking up Daniel and I looked to my right and sure enough, that girl was looking down her shirt. So I was like, wow, some things just never change. Well, I'm back at the pool. I'm back swimming my laps at Lifetime Fitness. And the very first couple of days, I mean, there's some benefits. Again, they're slowly letting the kids back into the pool. But the first couple of days that I was there, Don, this is like the Olympic-sized pool outdoors. It was just me, my mom, and like one or two other swimmers. And one of the guys, I was saying, isn't it great to be back starting to function again and be normal. And he said, well, I'm still social distancing in the pool. And then he says he's bringing his own towels because he doesn't trust that they can't clean the towels at the gym, even though it doesn't transfer on surface. I just pee in the pool. Do you wear one of those um, 1920s? Because I know you said like back in the 80s and I kept thinking like, in the 1880s but do you have one of those one piece swimsuits that are like striped you know and they sit like really low on the thigh or do you wear the kind of more modern swimsuit or do you swim like in your street clothes thank goodness i've got a strong following that knows first of all i would i wouldn't even i've never even owned anything like that no i (laughs) (laughs) you have a bikini come on i can't see you in a bikini Your boyfriend's going to be really jealous if you're in a bikini at the pool. Right? Yes, I've got a bikini. Yes, I've got a bikini. We've got, you know what? um, We've got Nick. Adam's coming up and it was a huge honor to connect with him through Facebook. We're going to bring him on here after this first break to talk about the parallel between Trump and Churchill, which there's an awful lot, especially in the times that we're living in. And then we will segue into the basement dweller and Trump and the rallies. And we will be right back after this short break. We got to fight, baby, fight. Welcome back to the Bella D'Angelo Show. We are very excited and honored to have Nick Adams. I'm going to join him to this show in a second here. I uh, I connected with him through Facebook and very excited as I find many of my guests. And we're going to talk about Nick's new book. And we're also going to talk about the correlation between Trump and Churchill. And if I can say my one, you know, I have a small claim to fame. It's very, very small, Nick. But I remind people that if anybody could get the message to Donald J. Trump that in 2009, I did tell Sean Hannity on his radio show the very first time I was ever on the radio to get Trump for president. And uh, today we are trying to push to win in November 
because we have got a massive battle ahead of us. But welcome to the program, Nick Adams. Bella, it's a real pleasure to join you and your listeners. I'm very excited to be on the Bella D'Angelo show. There's really not much better of a show around, so I'm thrilled to spend uh, the next few minutes talking to you and, and your listeners all across the country and indeed the world. Awesome. And if you don't know much about Nick, he is Fox News contributor, motivational speaker, business innovator and life coach and best-selling author and runs the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. So Nick, I did listen to, I've tried to get a hold of your book pretty hard through Barnes and Noble. I did listen to your back and forth with Huckabee and boy, it is so, when you look at the times that we're living in, and I want to quote, uh, I believe it was the foreword from Newt Gingrich, which said, Churchill stood alone during terrifying times against terrifying murderous domination by totalitarian with the likes of Hitler, Mussolini, and Stalin, creating a nightmare of death, secret police, and mass murders. Unique courage of Churchill and his indomitable will to victory that sustained the anti-fascist forces at their low point. Kind of similar times we're living in right now with Trump. Bella, look, that's why I wrote the book. Uh, the book, Trump and Churchill, Defenders of Western Civilization, is already a best-selling book. And I think it's because it really captures uh, the essence of the 45th president of the United States. Now, all of my life, I've been a big fan of both Winston Churchill and Donald Trump. My dad gave me a book of Winston Churchill speeches when I was really young. And when I was 14 years old, my best friend came and gave me a copy of The Art of the Deal. And so I've been a lifelong admirer of both men. I was on the Trump train from the 16th of June, 2015, when President Trump rode down the escalator and announced that he was running for president. And as I observed him first as a candidate, Bella, and then uh, as he's been president for the last three and a half years, I realized that there were some remarkable parallels between the times and the men. Now, it's not necessarily a very easy kind of comparison to get. On first blush, just looking at it, you really wouldn't think that the two men had all that much in common. One was a five foot six uh, guy that loved to drink, the other a six foot four teetotaler. One <laughs> napped every afternoon in his pajamas and really every opportunity he got. The other, from all accounts, uh, Bella barely sleeps. One began their career by opposing tariffs, one by introducing them. One was this great, soaring, compelling orator. The other, not so much. <laughs> an effective, rather crude tweeter. And one was this uh, lifelong politician with a stint in the military. And Donald Trump, of course, was a billionaire businessman. But as soon as you start to drill down a little bit, you find the two men are actually remarkably similar. Neither concealed their true self or conformed to expectations. Both loved their country. Both intensely disliked, even hated. Both clear thinkers. Both alpha males. Both plain speakers. Both uh, 
had an acrimonious relationship with the media. Both uh, followed monumentally weak predecessors. Of course, Winston Churchill had Neville Chamberlain and and, uh, Donald Trump had Barack Obama. And to say that Chamberlain and Obama had the spine of a jellyfish would be to defame jellyfish. (laughs) That really, really uh, only serves, I think, that juxtaposition to heighten the qualities and leadership traits of both men. Do you think, um, Nick, that Churchill was more of a scapegoat um, than Trump uh, in the fact that he was he was kind of in a position where nobody really wanted to be uh, prime minister at that specific time, especially after Chamberlain got them into the mess that they were in, where Trump... Um, I, I, the thing I like about the book was the analogy that they're both kind of uh, the, the people's leaders. You know, the, there's a plainness to them, even though they both have very distinct actual speaking styles, but their actual plainness uh, with the general public it, what, is what makes them endearing. Without a doubt, both men uh, had this incredible ability to connect with the average, everyday, regular ordinary person and uh, this is something that was very clear and I think it's one of the reasons why Winston Churchill has always been so likable and such a relatable person for so many and it's because you know he drank too much he ate too much he got gout on occasion he liked to flirt with women I mean these are all things that I think people relate to and and find very normal uh and in the same vein donald trump a lot of the uh, you know his his tastes for example on food you know he, he might be a billionaire businessman but he's got the same kind of preferences as a blue collar worker he likes pizza hut and kentucky fried chicken and mcdonald's and i was gonna say mcdonald's yes yeah. So, uh, look, both of these men uh, were perfect for the moment that they found themselves in. And that was the most incredible thing I discovered while writing my book, Trump and Churchill, Defenders of Western Civilization, is that every single thing in both men's lives, their failures, their successes, their losses, their gains, all of it made them absolutely perfect for the moment that they would find themselves in when they were in Downing Street and Pennsylvania Avenue, respectively. I've I've noticed, um, I am a Civil War historian, U.S. history historian, and I kind of draw some of the analogies even between Trump, um, the similarities, Trump and Lincoln, um, really kind of their, their, America to me has this, odd tendency or capacity to elect the most obscure leaders for the exact correct moment in time. And it, it's not that these men were great before, but the situations that we put them in and their reactions to those situations are actually what makes them great. But America is really weird in its ability to kind of elect these people you know, at the right moment. Well, it's funny that you say that because uh, Winston Churchill famously said that America always does the right thing 
after exhausting every other option, uh, kind of a really uh, a backhanded, affectionate jibe, very similar to what Alexis de Tocqueville said, which was that the true genius of Americans lay in their ability to repair their faults. And he noted in his right. sociological masterpiece, Democracy in America, that uh, Americans have this uncanny propensity to re-correct the cultural trajectory, which kind of goes along exactly with what you're saying about Americans' timing in voting in the right people for the right moment. And especially, and it's never, it's never the one that the political leadership or the establishment or the media, it's never the ones that they want. It's always, you know, I, I, I think the Donald Trump election for me, and I coordinated the sixth congressional district here in Minnesota for Trump. For me, it was, it was a calling card to the rest of the politicians that said, Americans still have the ability to elect any person they want to the highest office in the land, despite all of the machinations of what the political class and the establishment tries to do, um, we still have that power to elect, if we want, Peter Pan to the office of the presidency. And, and it just reasserts and reaffirms our ability as um, a nation to elect whoever we want. That's absolutely right. And uh, one of the incredible things is is that you have a look at all of the types of people that America has elected in the past, Ronald Reagan, uh, Ted Cruz as senator, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as governor. Many Americans don't realise that nowhere else would those type of individuals, Donald Trump, nowhere else in the world would Donald Trump, Ted Cruz, or Ronald Reagan have been elected? That's an only right. America thing. No, absolutely. And especially, I, I think it's funny you said Ted Cruz, because I'm like, well, wait a second, what about Ted Cruz? Because, um, you know, he won Minnesota. Well, Rubio won Minnesota. And then subsequently, when Rubio dropped out, Ted Cruz was the delegate leader from Minnesota. So... Minnesota has kind of a, a tendency to actually pick the wrong people. It's like the opposite of whatever the country does. I mean, we did elect Jesse the Body Ventura to be the governor of the state of Minnesota. Yeah, and then we also put a 12-year-old as mayor of Minneapolis. But um, before we run out of time on this segment, and we want Nick to be able to tell people where to go and find his book, but Nick, I got a question because we're going to talk Biden in the next segment. Where do you see, I mean, can how is it that we have a basement dwelling can barely finish a sentence. Uh, my belief is that I think that the Democratic Party believed that they were going to take out Trump, and so they never worried about November. Yeah, look, I wouldn't be too concerned about Joe Biden. Uh, Joe Biden doesn't know what day it is. He doesn't know what city he's in. Uh, this is not somebody I think that's going to pose a significant threat to President Trump. I think he's going to be re-elected and perhaps with an even greater margin of victory than last time. Uh, so Joe Biden is, is, uh, is, not, the, is not the man uh, for the Democrats. So do you, do you believe in the theory that they're just going to run Biden and then um, whoever his running mate is three weeks before the election, he's going to drop out for some heart condition and then we'll have actually um, 
his VP pick uh, as the nominee on the ballot. Well, it's, uh, look, I mean, I it's possible. I uh, think that they're leaving it quite late, and that's a pretty high risk kind of maneuver. I would right. think if they're going to do something, it'll be at the conve- at their convention. But uh, we, I guess it remains to be seen. Do you think they don't have anybody really kind of that's sneaking into the convention, though? I mean, they don't have any reason to kind of toss their convention at this point. It's pretty squarely in Biden's hands, isn't it? Well, that's what you would think. But, I mean, I guess you know, we're talking about the Democrats here. If anyone can find a way to to uh, to do something uh, shoddy, it's going to be them. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, Bello, uh, we should ask Nick where we can buy his books and where we can see him. And... Absolutely. NickAdamsUSA.com. And where else can we find you, Nick? Yeah, NickAdamsUSA.com. I'm on Twitter, at NickAdamsInUSA. I'm also on Facebook, at NickAdamsInAmerica. You can like the page, follow me on Twitter, and then uh, you can find everything else about me uh, in the same place where you can order signed, personalized copies of all of my books, including Trump and Churchill, NickAdamsUSA.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much. You've been a wonderful guest, a huge honor, and thanks for giving us your time, and we're going to keep promoting your book. Thanks for your patriotism and for all that you do. It's been a pleasure. Let's do it again. Awesome. Have a great evening. All right. We are up against our next break. We'll be back. We will be back talking about the basement dweller Biden. And we got a fight, baby fight. And welcome back to the Bella D'Angelo show. Boy, uh, we, we've got to get back on the campaign trail. We've got to kick the COVID and all the madness to the side. But, you know, back in the day, Don, when I was back in the oil field, there was this one day I'd walked into the company man shack. He's the one that runs the drilling rig. And I was ranting so loud and hard about Obama and all the agendas, health care, cap and trade, finance reform, Obamacare, on and on and on. And, and this company man was literally starting to like not hunch over, but kind of like <laughs> crouching away from me. And finally he stopped me and he looks at me and he goes, do you know I'm not Obama? You know I'm not responsible for all of this? And then I just stood up and stood a little taller and st- sat for one second and I said, does that mean you're going to listen to my radio show? And then he heard. <laughs> <laughs> he was, did, you, did you actually explain all the issues or were you just like quoting headlines? No! I mean, I was I was going into depth, but yes, I was I was listing them and then, yes, yeah, starting to pick them apart. But, you know, so the same. So now here we've got the basement dweller, Biden, and everything that you got frustrated, mad, um, wanting to throw the flat screen out of the living room, which I used to talk about in back in the day when Obama was in office. I mean, the basement dweller, like what is he bringing new reform? refreshing anything to the party. And like we asked Nick in the last segment, he can't finish a sentence. He doesn't know where he is. And my real belief, 
Don, is I truly believe that just like in 16, when they fully believed, I mean, there was no doubt that Hillary Roadhard was supposed to have the nomination in 16, right? So that's right. why all of this massive meltdown and all of this crying and blubbering. And then, okay, so Trump gets in. So then it begins. How are they taking him out? And so from Stormy and the sheets that were supposedly peed on to now it's just ripping down white statues. Um, nobody's ever addressed the fact that somehow creepy basement dweller Biden still has the nomination and what's going to happen when he has to finally crawl out of the basement? Well, eventually he's going to fall over because they're just, you know, after the convention, Biden will die. And then they have to do like a weekend at Bernie's where they just prop him up and he's always got like two secret service guys around him. And so and then they have like a little guy that's making his mouth move. Um, I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's going to be he'll be our first weekend at Bernie's president. I don't know. Do you know know what movie I'm talking about? Or was that back in the I know that when you first started watching movies, they were silent. But you know what movie I'm talking about? You know, like I said earlier, thank goodness my following knows my age and I wear a bikini and a pink bra. And yeah, um, well, here's the thing. Like, I don't think that they have figured out what they're going to do with Biden, because that's why I do believe all of this nonstop madness. We went from. I mean, come on, people. We all know this. Uh, We went from impeach, impeach, impeach to COVID nonstop 24-7. Then once we started walking out of our front doors and touching door handles again without, you know, jumping back and spraying our entire body down with sanitizer, then all of a sudden George Floyd is murdered. And then it goes from protests to riots to now, you know, the ripping down the statues, which last night in... Washington, D.C., when they were attacking the um, the statue and Trump jumped in immediately with police action. That's what should have happened to begin with in Minneapolis. But did he, did he jump in with police action? They were trying to tear down, I think, Andrew Jackson, weren't they? And left yes. Park. Yes. And Andrew Jackson, of course, is the first true Democrat president. So, of course, that would be the one that liberals would want to tear down. Or maybe they don't know that. Maybe they just think it's, you know, the trail of tears and he was a nasty guy. You know, Andrew Jackson had the had the first big party uh, for the people in the White House of any president. So much so that they literally tore the White House like to shreds. He invited all his buddies from Tennessee and the Blairs and all these people. And then during his inaugural party, he just opened the doors up and people shredded the place. That must have been where Motley Crue started to get some. I don't know. I, I throw this in there because if you ever watch Dirt, the story about Motley oh, Crue. Oh, that's a great. I love that. that like, I still can't understand how they've survived all of that craziness. But, okay, let's. Uh, I want to talk. I mean, Biden. Okay, so I really. I've said for a long time whoever the unfortunate person that won the nomination, by the time he gets up to the debate stage with Trump, Every comment, ridiculous statement, every policy, every agenda will be lumped together for this individual to have to answer for. And then yeah, Trump being the be, master. Go ahead. Yeah, 
It's, well, it's going to be awesome. I mean, because Biden's going to talk about policy. And then you remember during the other campaigns, even when Trump was just the nominee, he would just hammer on people. He wouldn't even like really say anything. He would just say, oh, you're going to jail. Or you know, that's that's what people loved about him. Biden's not Biden's going to be left in this position. Biden's going to have to think about how to be just as alpha male as Donald Trump. And at the end of the day, liberal weenie males do not know how to pretend to be alpha males. And so he's going to fall flat on his face. Trump could sit there and just grunt during the debates and <laughs> Biden will still fall on his face. I promise you it'll happen. Do you notice that Biden has this kind of similarity to like if E.T. went through plastic surgery and they really whitened him up? Like, have you noticed that similar kind of ghastly scare? Like, am I really still here? Am I actually I talking? Where, to, where did he get his teeth? Like those. <laughs> it must, it's got He's got to be British. You know, I'm not a fan of the British. In fact, I really kind of hate the British. And so I always have a chance to like make fun of British people's big giant teeth. Joe Biden has big giant teeth. And then he like super whitened him. He like put like <laughs> white enamel on him. And he's super whitened like his whole face. But OK, let's let me ask you this. Who do you think he would pick as the VP? Say your theory held true that we talked about last segment with Nick, that whoever the VP is going to be, Biden suddenly disappears in the middle of the night or whatever happens to him. Right. Or suddenly it's a hell health crisis. I don't see anybody. Think about the 17 that ran alongside Trump. Okay. These, these squirrels in a squirrel cage from camel toe to, uh, you know, to Amy to, I mean, I think they're going to call a woman, but none of them. What? Who's camel toe? Kamala Harris. Oh my God. That doesn't sound anything like camel toe. <laughs> you just, that was a stretch on that one. But um, none of them, none of them have the stature, the intelligence, the think on your feet. They don't have any of the quick comebacks. None of them have any of the level of quality that the seventeen that ran against Trump in sixteen. So, what about Corey the thyroid eye Booker? He might be good. Oh, Spartacus. 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 No, I know. Here's what will happen. Well, the logical choice is Michelle Obama. She's not going to do it. And you know what? How do you know she's not going to do it? They always lie. Those people are liars. They're not going to tell you. I mean, you know, Michelle Obama would be to me like obvious. Okay, let's say it is Michelle Obama. He will rip her and their administration to shreds. This is the most, and you know, you sit and you try and listen to these liberals that try and claim that the strong Trump economy that we were on before COVID hit was the result of Obama's eight years. No, it had nothing to do with it. Do we all, did we all forget about the shovel ready jobs that never appeared? The fact that we were supposed to get used to a one point GDP and what was Donald Trump? Trump going to, you know, wave the wand to get the jobs back. That is Biden's administration. That's his track record. Yeah, but it's got to be Michelle Obama because she's the only because if we go with the weekend at Bernie theory, she's the only one that can literally is big enough to hold up Biden and make his mouth move with her other hand. 
So I think it's got to be Obama. Uh, uh, and, and so, but who else could it be? I mean, there's no, every, you know, Amy, the crying SOB Klobuchar. I mean, Amy already had to back out because of what happened with George Floyd. And here's the thing, you know, when you look at the policies that they're running on with the Green New Deal, with their high taxation, with the um, late term abortion. Now, when I mention Green New Deal and late term abortion, when I'm out and about and talking to people, which is what I do, um, I was at Lifetime Fitness. It was actually last summer. And I asked the towel girl if she was voting in 2020. And she said yes. And I guessed her to be somewhere in in the 20s for age. And so I, I said, I'm guessing that you're voting Democrat. And she said, yes, I am. And I said, do you know what their policies and their agenda is? And she kind of looked at me and she said, I don't know, the typical working man policy. And I said, do you know what the Green New Deal is? And she just kind of shook her head. And I said, well, basically, we're going to be done with airplanes. We're going to be living like in caves and rubbing sticks together. She didn't buy into that one. I said, do you know what late term abortion is? And she just said, well, abortion. And I said, do you know about delivering a baby and letting it to just die on the table because you decided to not move forward being a mother and a father? And she looked at me like, what are you talking about? And it's those simple conversations that you get people to start to wake up, listen, learn, and pay attention because the policies and the agendas that the Democratic Party are standing for today actually make Hillary Roadhard Clinton look like a moderate today. But Bella, this poor young woman is trying to get political advice from a crazy woman that's asking her about abortions. I mean, I would, you would have been like the last person I would have taken political advice from at that point. You know what don't she people, said to don't me? Don't people just call you, the cops on you? You know what she said to me? So then after we moved away from that conversation, because I could tell it was making her a little bit uncomfortable, it should make people uncomfortable. <laughs> I, yeah, but you know what? This is what the party is fighting for. So then I asked her if she knew what their taxation policy, 90% capital taxation, 70% personal. She stood back and she asked me where she could listen to my show. Yep. And I wrote and, it down. And what did you tell her? I gave her the website, belladiangelo.com. It's just like today. I was at a auto mechanic shop and I was doing my sales spiel. And these were three young 20-something-year-old guys wrenching on cars. And so when the one tried to tell me that he was the owner, I played into it. And so then I, when he finally said, yeah, I'm not the owner, and I decided to ask some questions, I said, you know what, guys? I said, I have my own conservative talk radio show. I said, I just am curious. Are you voting in November? And you know what they all said? Heck what? yes. And I said, are you voting Trump? And they said, absolutely. Absolutely. And then the one kid walks away and he says, well, I'm voting even though the government has no impact in my life. And this is a true story that happened back years ago when I heard the same thing from an 18 year old roughneck. I gave this analogy and this is very simple to give to young people that don't understand the impact of government in their life. I said at the end of the week, take your paycheck, say it's one hundred dollars. 
Take 40 of it, put it in your back pocket. Take the other 60 and walk next door, knock on your neighbor's door. They are unemployed, eating pizza, drinking beer, smoking weed, watching porn. I mentioned porn because it costs money. Hand them the $60. Tell them you have to go back to work so that the following Friday you can come back with the $60 to support their lifestyle since they're not working. The 18-year-old kid said to me years ago, what country are you talking about? I said, entitlement, baby. Well, that 18-year-old roughneck, I said, if you just listen to one of my shows and call me and let me know what you think, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, whatever, but let me know what you think because you're the audience I'm trying to capture as well as the like-minded. So he called me a couple days later, said that I was a genius, said I was hilarious, and he listened to the show. That show happened to have talked about Sharia law and Islamification. He did tell me, he said, there were many pieces that I didn't understand, but he said, I also liked the simple ways that you made analogies to get me to start thinking. And me and my buddies listen every morning. And that's what makes my day. That's the type of difference that I want to make. Because Don, this election in November is bigger probably than 16. I think so. Yeah, in the direction that this country is going to go. And I do believe that the more and more insane the lack of law and order in our small communities um, is waking a lot of people up because they are asking themselves, where is my country? Where is my leader? Where is my God? And how do I protect my family? So do you... When you're out selling to your 25-year-old, what do you call them, shirtless guys wrenching on a car? I assume all together. It's probably a poster. Were they shooting a poster? Um, when when you're doing that, are you honestly using your femininity to sell tools or chemicals? Nope. You're not? Nope. Mostly, uh, mostly I, I start, I let into it with Trump. I mean, I'm that, that's the beauty of my job. I'm in blue collar, you know, I'm, I'm in the blue collar KQRS listening group of, you know, just down to earth, salt of the earth people. And that's why I love my job. But I also, I don't stop there on my sales and talking to people. I actually, um, before we wrap out of the segment, my uh, girlfriend, she's in her early 40s and doesn't listen to politics, doesn't even care to talk about politics. She was there with me in the very beginning when Josh and I started even talking about this radio show. She surprised me the other day. I called her up. We're going to try and get together. And she said, by the way, I listened to your show. And I said, really? And she said, yes. And she said it was the show with Matt writer talking about uh, recalling Waltz. Yeah. yeah. And she said he was very staticky, but she said, you guys had a lot of great points and I learned an awful lot and you were very entertaining and very funny. And I will listen again. When you get feedback like that, you know that we are making a difference. We are up against our next break and we are going to jump into Trump, the rallies and the race to the win in November. We'll be right back. We got to fight, baby fight. And welcome back to the Bella D'Angelo Show and Don Hazenga. And we are going to talk about Trump rally, the win to November. Don, were you um, 
in 16, when Trump was running before the election, he landed here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Did you make it to that hangar? No, I was I was at the fundraiser he did um, before. I missed the hangar event and then was at another one at some factory. Uh, the one in downtown Minneapolis at the convention center is the first one he did. And there was a big rigmarole there and people got beat up and some old lady got punched. Uh, that was fun. But I did not go to the hangar one. Um, but yeah, he, it was cool went. for me. Yeah, it was here. Here's the backstory. So I talked about earlier in the show how I put together the Danish Defense League show with a couple of guys from England and one from Denmark. <laughs> and one of <laughs> the Danish Defense League. I just can't get over that name. It's so awesome. Yeah, that was that was their like uh, patriot uh, group name over in Denmark. <laughs> one of the guys from the show, Frank Day, actually flew over from the UK to meet me because he'd been doing the show with me for so long and really wanted to meet me. And he landed here, and like the next day, we heard about this rally at the Minneapolis airport, and. For the life of me, I did not believe I was even going to make it into Minneapolis. The cool part was not only did I make it into Minneapolis, I made it to the airport. I did not make it in the hangar. I was outside with the bigger crowd outside of the hangar. But one of the things that I saw immediately was this sense of community. Like we were all excited to be there and to, you know, jump up and down and and support Trump. And I took pictures when Pence's plane landed and Trump's plane. And then um, Frank, the guy from the UK that was visiting me, he's uh, an older, uh, kind of smaller guy. And he was wanting to help me be able to see over the crowd to be able to actually see when, when Trump was on the ground and to see a more visual, but he wasn't, Oh able, no, I, he, was, he wasn't able to hold me up on his shoulders. And here's oh, the no. story. What? <laughs> oh no. I don't even want to know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't take him in the bushes. Thank you very much. Oh, but this God. group of guys, these group of guys that were around us, they were listening to our discussion about how to get up. They built this like pyramid of guys that I kind of crawled up on top of and was able to look over the crowd. And it was that sense of community that I hear so many times from people talking about being at the ra- the rallies. And I tell you what, when I heard that Trump was going to be in uh, Oklahoma. I almost went down there and I've got a good friend down there that wanted me to go to the rally with her, but it's just great to be able to get back to some sense of normalcy with this campaigning so that we can win in November. Yeah. Sense of normal. Is that, I'm going to double check Google here. Um, if that's a word, sense of normalcy. It's like better. It's like better. Yeah. Better. <laughs> I I love people. I, you know, I'm a big fan of Judge Judy. So I always love when people talk on the show and they say things like, I had gone to the store. I'm like, it, we have this overuse of the word had in the past tense. So because all you have to say is, I went to the store. Instead, they say like, I had went to the store or I had gone to the store. I don't know if they're trying to sound more legal or... <laughs> I, but, you know, we have this tendency now in America, I think, to just say words. And if we say them enough, people actually use them and they become popular. And then people just think they're words or it's correct 
Well, you know who the master has been for tagging lines that don't go away? Think about it. Trump had a nickname for everybody that ran against him in 16, and they pretty much all stuck and were true. You made reference to when Trump, I think Trump really started to win over the public when him and Hildebeest were debating and she was making a comment that he was never going to have a, a, a part of the Justice Department. He turned around and he said, yeah, because you'd be in jail, I'd lock you up. I think right. massive amounts of millions of us jumped up and down on our couch and said, Finally, somebody is speaking like us for us because guaranteed, I have never heard anybody else running for president talk as direct and sincere and honest and for the people as Donald J. Trump. You know the you know the word. Did I do that right in the mic? And it's spelled P F F F T. So there were some of the times in the debates where Donald Trump, I think, had the best face like ever. Like if they put the word in the dictionary, it would just be a picture of Donald Trump. And that face he makes, it's just so like condescending and, you know, haphazard. He's like, yeah, whatever. But it, I wonder if it just does that on purpose or it's just like a natural reaction when he hears nonsense. Well, you know, I want to give a shout out to Hot Rod because I know he's going to be listening to the show. He's one of my good friends from the oil field. Um, just in case you're wondering why you're hearing names like Hot Rod or Redheaded Stripper Pole or Ricky Bobby, these guys at the oil rigs, I can't say their real names. That's how I protected them for being able to share um, conversations. But, you know, we were talking one day about the popularity of, of Trump. And the fact is, is he talks like you and I, like we're sitting at a table having a beer and he's right. not afraid to call people out. Like, why are you calling the virus, you know, China virus because it came from China? I mean, right. and, and that's why, you know, I hear so many times people say, well, I wish he wouldn't tweet so much. Well, guess what? How does he usurp the mainstream media, the fake news, who he coined fake news? And here's the thing. When we get to these debates, like I said earlier, every single comment, stupid comment, you know, threat, uh, insane agenda, everything is going to be lobbed against, whether it's Biden, whether it's Mooch, whoever it is. But then being the maestro that Trump is in playing against his his competition, you know, just think about some of the people that he's going to be having an audience that will play to the different topics that he is debating by which we're assuming that Biden will be debating. I mean, again, we have no idea what's going to happen in the next couple of months. I think didn't Biden just get out of the Michigan debate? Yeah, he was he was there with like six other people. And I think four of them were staffers. So he had two, I think he had two people show up to his last and they had, they had big giant circles drawn on the gym floor with a chair in the middle of it as if like a dot wasn't just good enough that they drew like a four foot circle and put your little fold up chair in there like you're, you know, like you're a greeter at Walmart. It was pathetic. It was it was terrible. I've never seen the optics of, you know, people said, well, it's always better to book a small stadium and then fill it versus book a big stadium 
and only half fill it. The optics are better. And so that's all they talked about in the news was how Trump's optics weren't that great because he didn't completely fill the stadium during COVID. And then they show the story of Biden in Michigan, and there's six people there sitting in fold-up chairs in four-foot circles. I'm like, well, what about his optics? <laughs> Those are the worst optics ever. Well, I heard that it was like 8 million people viewed the rally on online. And I was listening earlier to a different talk radio person that was talking about from the media talking about, you know, the, the COVID and all the violent rioting and all of the different elements. Yes, there was a smaller turnout. However, the online turnout and I just see this resurgence of everything coming back to the campaign trail for Trump. Trump. When the numbers, when the job numbers came out, um, it was just a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember who it was on MSNBC or whatever. She actually looked like she was going to burst into tears when she had to report the better job numbers and the unemployment was actually going down. Yeah, I know. It's always ter- terrible for them. They love reporting how many dead people there are from COVID. They love reporting how many more people got sick from COVID. They love reporting how many businesses are closing because of COVID because clearly, you know, Hertz rent a car and Chuck E. Cheese are owned by conservatives, which is probably true because conservatives think of everything and they're the ones that take risks and start businesses, you know, liberals, community activate or whatever, but they're just not very passionate people. Um, But yeah, then when they talk about something that's actually good news, it's like the most depressing thing on the face of the planet. Now, let me ask you this, because there's been two schools of thought as we're opening back up. Um, There's a few that I talked to that they believe that we're in a depression right now, which I don't agree with that. Um, I'm depressed. Aren't you depressed? This sucks. Life sucks. I'm like, this isn't America. This is not life worth living. So all you little liberal weenies out there holed up in your basements watching the latest MSNBC reports and thinking to yourself, well, thankfully I'm alive. No, you're not alive. You're literally just dying slowly in your basement. Or celebrating the fake poll numbers. But no, seriously, Don, I want to ask this because I I, I do know that you've got a a good – theory on this. So we were either headed into a depression, a massive recession, or on the other hand, we continue to rebound because we have been locked up. We have money. We have expendable money. I believe that there is going to be a surge in this economy based on also the fact that this was one of the strongest economies that we were in prior to COVID. Had we been in Obama's little 1% GDP, I think we would be on a very dangerous, fast fall into a massive depression. Well, you know, it's it's consumer confidence. It's how people go out and spend money. And so I look at the amount of money that I've spent over the last three months uh, during COVID, and it's nowhere near what I've, I mean, I've tried to spend money. We bought new bikes. And so when, when things start to reopen and there's a kind of a general sense that things are going to be okay, yes, the economy will spike. Whether or not it can maintain it really is the question as people try to go back out and look for jobs again and find that those jobs aren't actually there. And so even you, like Chuck E. Cheese is closing, Bella. So what are you going to do for part-time work? I mean, you can't be the mouse anymore. (laughs) Uh, I have other, 
you know. Ew. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, well, there's, uh, yeah, well, there's side work lined up. <laughs> well, back in the day, I used to talk about the uh, the portable stripper pole, but here's the thing: we are living in times that, yes, uh, you want to avoid the media. Uh, I don't know if you believe in this, but I got something sent to me on Facebook earlier today that said COVID will suddenly vanish after the election. Oh, I don't know about that. I mean that. I haven't seen COVID, so maybe it will vanish. I don't know if it's actually been here in the first place. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I don't spread conspiracy theory. All I'm here to do, along with Don, is to entertain, engage you, get you listening, learning, thinking, hopefully laughing, and then hopefully... Spread the love, Bella. And then try being Bella for a day. Meaning, when you go out to the gas station, to Subway, to your local hair salon, whether you're going to your swimming pool, just engage with the community. We have to get people to stop being frozen on their little squares, uh, you know, spitting at or snarling at each other when you step off of your six foot distancing square and stop wearing the mask and engage with the community and ask people, you know, are you voting in November? Are you supporting our president? Just simple questions. I do it. And that's how I get one more person, one more listening, one more engaging. And we've got to vote and we've got to win in November. And uh, I can't wait for the first debate with Biden and Trump. I'm so freaking excited. (laughs) And I can't, can't I, can't, I, I can't wait. We've got some exciting shows and then we're going to wrap out of this. We have got Brandon Straka, I believe is how I say his name. He is coming up uh, on the show next week. He is the founder of Walk Away, the Democratic um, Party individual, the founder that started the Walk Away movement. Uh, it's going to be a huge honor to have him on. And then also... Uh, Madison Rising. They are the patriotic rock band that actually performed at the rally down in Oklahoma. So we've got what? they're going to be on at the same time. No, they're going to be on the, the week after the walk. Oh. Are they? Do you, th- you think they'll sing for us online? I tell you what, if I can get their clip of Star Spangled Banner, which is acoustical, it yeah. is. It'll actually make the hair stand up on the back of your neck. It's so beautiful. Make sure you put it on the page on the BellaDiAngeloShow.com so people can go and check it out and listen to it. And also go to the Facebook page, the Bella D'Angelo Show, like the page and invite your friends. And we got to wrap out of this segment. want to say again, Nick Adams, you were a great guest. You can go to Nick Adams at usa.com to find his book and hopefully he'll be a guest again and time has flown but we gotta go and we gotta fight baby fight good night god bless america and ciao for now